the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. From nine to five, that wheel just keeps on turning. The rush, the drive, a week of working, never evading our goal. Till the moment creates a transformation within our soul. Time to unwind. The daily grind is over, and we can find the peace of mind, the light inside that makes us whole. In a moment that dates back to creation, Hashem's in control. We let out a sigh and look up to the sky as the sun sits on all our cares. So happy it's finally here. Welcome in the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finn, and we've got a really good show for you today. In this half hour of the show, we're going to be speaking about woke anti-Semitism. And if you don't know what that is, well, I suggest you listen to Eugene Greenstein, who's going to talk about what it means, woke anti-Semitism. In the second half hour of the show, we will be featuring some insights into the holiday, which is upcoming, known as Passover Pesach, and also maybe maybe a little bit about the portion of the week, which is the book of Leviticus. We're starting Vayikra chapter 1 verse 1 of Leviticus. We've got a really cool story at the end. Poignant, nothing miraculous, just very poignant. You know, it's always good to have some poignancy. Music, we got really good music throughout the show. Before we do anything anything else, let's go right to the news. <laughs> Four Palestinians were killed during an undercover daytime Israeli counterterrorism raid in Jenin. Two of the four were on Israel's most wanted list. A lone gunman shot and killed three people in a Tel Aviv cafe. Police killed the gunman. One person was injured by a bomb along a highway in northern Israel. The bomber snuck across the Lebanese border. Police caught and killed the man. Prime Minister Netanyahu cut his trip to Europe short 
to analyze security concerns due to somebody sneaking across the Lebanese border. Three Palestinian terrorists were killed by Israeli forces in central Israel after shooting at them. A fourth terrorism turned himself in. The IDF arrested four Gazans who tried to enter Israel. The four were unarmed. In other news, the FBI released a report saying that acts of anti-Semitism rose 23% during 2021. Chabad House in Cape Coral, Florida, was attacked last Shabbos by a man who tried to throw a brick through the entrance door window. The door was security-hardened to prevent breaking. The man then smashed the windshield of the rabbi's car and damaged the menorah on the front lawn. Police, who are calling it a hate crime, are looking for the man. In the sport, Israel was eliminated from the World, Basic Cla- World Baseball Classic with a record of 1-3. in three. Israel beat Nicaragua in its opener 3-1, to one, but lost to Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic each by a score of 10-0. to zero. The games were shortened, we could call it mercy. Puerto Rico had a perfect game, and they lost to Venezuela 5-1. to one. They actually scored a run, and that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. And everybody hates the Jews. Anyway, so Herschel Finman here. We are on line with Mr. Eugene Greenstein. We're talking about woke anti-Semitism. How are you today, Eugene? You got him? Are you there? Yeah. Okay. So let's start again on that one. Okay, Luke? I'm engineer. Okay. And and everybody hates the Jews. We, Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have online Mr. Eugene Greenstein. We're talking about woke anti-Semitism. They're having a, uh, a gathering coming up this week, and we're going to talk about that as well. How are you today, Eugene? I'm very good, Rabbi. How are you? Okay. Thank you so much for asking. Okay. So... When I tried to find out about your organization, I was <laughs> briefly told that there is no organization. But if you have no organization, how are things organized? So tell us about your, your group and how it started, how it came to be, and maybe where you hope to go. Well, okay. So first of all, I'm the past president of the Zionist Organization of America, Michigan region. So because of that, I have a group of friends 
who have similar views as I do, and we recognize that the Jewish community is polarized on anti-Semitism coming from the right, the Nazis, the white supremacists, etc., and maybe someone will mention the left, um, but it's not viewed as a threat. And um, so we, a small group of us, said, well, we need to do something about this, and how do we get the the uh, community's attention. Well, and this goes back like two years ago, year and a half ago, something like that. And uh, and it became clear once we be, once we understood that uh, there's this new organization, Jewish Institute of Liberal Values, which was founded by David Bernstein. Well, this was an interesting way of getting at the issue because David was the past president of the J- Jewish JCPA, the Jewish Council for Public Affairs. And the Jewish Council for Public Affairs is the overarching Jewish Community Relations Council of which every federation has a Jewish Community Relations Council. And these organizations, by their nature, are, as the Jewish community is, uh, biased to the political left. And... David realized that um, with the issue of critical social justice, critical race theory, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, these kinds of concepts, that anti-Semitism was going to go through the roof, which is similar to what we realized, because these concepts are in basically say that there's an oppressor and the oppressed. Well, if white people uh, are the oppressor and people of color are the oppressed, then Jewish white people are the king of oppressors because Jews are viewed as the, the top of the pyramid, rightly or wrongly. And this concept of privilege has been around for quite a while, actually. And I was first exposed to it maybe four or five years ago when I was on the Farmington Hills Schools Cultural Strategic Cultural Committee. And we went through a session on privilege. And I thought since I had to work very hard to obtain my stature in, in, in society and, and whatever, uh, the idea that I was privileged was uh, sort of strange. And... Um, Anyway, it became quite clear that this concept is very divisive. If uh, people are told that uh, they're oppressed and that somebody's oppressing them, then it basically starts a you know a, you know a civil war, if you will. Um, and since anti-Semitism has been growing, uh, this makes anti-Semitism grow even farther. So does that make sense to you? It does. Okay, so this is what was the impetus for starting your your organization, as I'm assuming just a core group, and then expanding from there. So I would I would call it it's it's a group of people who come together that wanted to make something happen. So versus it's a formal organization that you know has got a name to it and a title to it. It's a group of activists that says, "Hey, we want to do something, and nobody's doing anything, so let's do it." 
Okay. Now, but, so the my, the bumper music I played at the beginning of the show, I don't usually play bumper music. In fact, in 28 years, I believe this is the second or third ter- time that I've used bumper music to introduce a guest. That there's anti-Semitism, like, all around us, I mean, is not new. The Bible itself even says that Israel is a lamb surrounded by 70 wolves. The lamb being the, the country or nation of Israel, and the 70 wolves representing the 70 nations of the world, which is what, they, what the Bible looked at at that time, meaning that there were wolves on the right, there were wolves on the left. So what you're saying... Uh, Eugene uh, Greenstein, is nothing new. Well, I think the answer is, you know, the Jews have been uh, hated for 2,000 years, maybe more, you know, and we, we've seen this. And But the issue is, is the Jewish community is asleep at the switch because they only think that the people to worry about are the Nazis, right? So they don't think that there's an enemy on the left um, who is fomenting uh, social change, and that this social change is going to impact the Jews significantly. So if you look at the concept of equity, equity meaning that, you know, you shouldn't be represented in any field beyond the, the numbers that you have in society, the Jewish community and Jews in general, because of merit, have exceeded their proportion in just about any field that they're in. So medical medicine, science, you know, the number of uh, <clears throat> Nobel Prize winners. For whatever reason, Jews excel on merit. And we've changed our society that merit doesn't matter. It's what you look like that matters. So it doesn't matter whether you're a good doctor or a bad doctor. It's, you know, what color you are or what other, you know, <clears throat> ethnicity or what have you is the issue, not merit. Okay, let me, let me so just that's interrupt. That's what's happening in society Let, me, today, let right? me interrupt you just real quick, okay? Uh, Luke, could you make, open your mic, please? Yeah, open your mic, please, yes. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question, Luke. And we were dealing, we were talking with my uh, trusty board op, who, Luke, are you Jewish? I am not. Okay, let me ask you a question, Luke. How many Jews do you think, how many Jewish people live in the greater Detroit area? Just on top of your uh, head. I, I'm guessing it can't be a lot. I'm just give me a number. Five hundred no, to a thousand? No, 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 no. The, the greater Jewish community of Detroit. Five thousand? Uh, okay. So, <laughs> and how many people, Jews do you think live in the United States? This is the first time. Oh, I've ever uh, heard of so my guess is probably way off. I'm guessing probably two. Uh, there are three hundred. There are three hundred and twenty million people in the United States. Three hundred twenty-five. How many people are? Jewish? Probably uh, 50 million. 50 million. Okay. That's usually, that's the number I'm looking for. Okay. Thank you very much, Luke. You can, you can shut your mouth. So you see um, the point that you're making, Luke had no clue about Jews in Detroit, but um, Luke, like every, every non-Jewish person that I've ever asked this question to has always come up with these numbers. Let's see, there's 9 million Jews in in Michigan, there's nine million people in Michigan, so it must be there must be two and a half, three million Jews in Michigan, okay. And then let's see, there's three hundred twenty-five million people in the United States. Must be eh, fifty, sixty million Jews in America, and we know the numbers. 
Eugene, would you like to tell Luke how many Jews are in the greater Detroit area and how many Jews are in in the United States? So in the greater Detroit area, it's about 70,000, 80,000 Jews. In the United States, maybe it's 5 million, maybe 5 to 6 million, depending on how you count. Right. Okay. So you're right. Jews seem to have, uh, for the reasons of, work, like you say, working hard, have sort of like risen up to the, the the top of society, cream of society. We're not in charge of the banks. We're not in charge of the media as the, the diatribes go, which are anti-Semitic. But Jews, you know, you work hard to get someplace. I mean, this is true all over the world. So that might be one of the reasons for anti-Semitism. I've had lots of pundits over the last 29 years come on my show and talk about the reason for anti-Semitism and the fact that Jews seem to work so hard and they, they crawled out of the ghettos in New York City and like one generation where there are five and six generations that are still there. So my question then is, okay, so it's it's been happening. It's an ongoing thing. My question now for you, Eugene, is so what's the point? What is your group trying to accomplish? So the point is that the culture of the United States is changing, right, wrong, or indifferent. I, didn't, I don't change the culture, right? That says instead of, and you go to the schools, like you, the Bloomfield Hills situation earlier in the week, well, we're, we're, we're focusing on diversity and equity and all that, and uh, and that's what counts, and and it's not merit that counts, okay? And if you start creating a, a, a situation where you're judging people on how they look versus what their merit is, then you sit there and create a prejudicial situation, and that situation impacts the Jews because the Jews are viewed as top of the pyramid, for your example. Okay, let me just so, say, I was going to ask you about the uh, incident in Bloomfield Hill schools, but if you could just briefly in less than 15, 30 seconds explain what happened in uh, at an assembly at Bloomfield Hills High this last week. Well, at Bloomfield Hills High, they had apparently had some type of, of a assembly that was supposed to address the issue of diversity. And um, they invited apparently some people from outside the community, though that was unclear from the principal's letter. And it turned out they had one lady who lives in the Macomb County, who was part of the uh, of the um, she's a Palestinian. When there was the Gaza turmoil, you know, almost 20 years ago, uh, she was involved in the protests. She was on the flotilla that was trying to break through the arms embargo uh, that. Israel and Egypt had from Gaza to prevent arms from coming in. That was the thing from the flotilla from Turkey. And uh, and she basically went on an anti-Israel, anti-Jewish rant during this uh, presentation. And the presentation was made four times during the school day, and it wasn't stopped by the administration. So it was allowed to happen. And then subsequently, uh, as I understand it, uh, the next day or the day after, the Palestinian uh, students, a, lot, a number of them came in uh, using Palestinian flags as, uh, you know, over their shoulders. 
and uh, I, I guess some fights broke out. Um, that's what I can tell you about it. Just, but just the talks themselves, you know, polarized the, the Jewish kids. They were very upset about what was being presented, and the community got involved. Uh, and that's what I can tell you about it. Okay, so but it was the ba- the ba- but the basis was was this idea of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and um, you know fair representation in the in the scope of things. And you know you can see it starting in the in the federal government, where you know everything's dependent on what you look like, not what you're capable of doing, or not or no merit. And that just segregates the Jewish community from others based on our overperformance or perceived overperformance, right? Okay, so now Michigan seems to be at, um, I don't know if you could call it the forefront, but it seems to be like in view when it comes to matters like this. I remember, I don't remember, I don't remember how long it was ago, but I remember that there was an anti-affirmative action lawsuit, which was brought by a Jewish woman against the University of Michigan because they didn't get they didn't take her into their med school, and she actually actually won. And then Michigan now has an anti-affirmative action law that says when entering when allowing people to come into school, you can't ask about race or anything like that, which would give somebody a uh, an upper hand just because of their skin or their beliefs or their orientations, et cetera. So there is seems to be something going on in Michigan, is there not, Eugene? I don't know that Michigan's unique. I mean I think these lawsuits have happened beyond Michigan. There's the the Asian community is suing Harvard University for similar kinds of issues. Okay. So, so it's not, it's not okay, unique so, to Michigan. Okay. So now what is it then? Let's go back to the, to the beginning. You're going to have an event this coming Thursday. I believe that's March the 23rd. 23rd. At 7.30 at the uh, Berman Center, which it's is the at- Seven, seven, seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. At the, thank you for telling me because I would have come a half hour late. Um, at the Berman Center, which is in the theater in the JCC, the Jewish Community Center in uh, West Bloomfield. And is there a charge for the event? No charge. No charge. Okay. And it's a debate. Okay. You have let's talk. Let's talk about the debate. Who are the debaters and where are they coming from? Okay. So. David Bernstein, who represents the Jewish Institute of Liberal Values, which is concerned about the issue I raised, is on one of the people who's to be discuss- discussing the issue. I, I would call it more of a discussion than a debate. Uh, Rabbi Starr's the moderator, and Howard Lupovich, who's the uh, professor at Wayne State University and head of the Cohn Haddow Center at the University of, of Wayne State University, rather. And, um, and Howard, you know, basically is a well-known uh, personality in the Jewish community. Um, his politics is that of the political left, primarily. At least that's what the arguments I've gotten into him over the years. And uh, so we viewed that as having a, two perspectives on what this issue may be. And exactly what Howard's views on on this issue, I can't say. I can just tell you what his general uh, view of the world has been yeah, in the I'm, past. 
Yeah, that's interesting and, because, uh, if I can interrupt, because we've had Howard on the show probably more than any other guest over the last 29 years, and I found Howard Lupovich to be probably one of the more centrist people that we've ever had on. And he might just agree a lot with the person with whom you've chosen him to to be in be that, opposition that, to. That, that, that's that's quite possible. And uh, I would guess on this subject, given that uh, Howard's a proud Zionist, that uh, that could well be. Um, however, for the purposes of having this event, it was decided, hey, maybe a discussion was better than someone just talking. And so we came up. With this, it started out with a conversation with Rabbi Lopatin of the of the Jewish Community Relations Council. He he wasn't interested in doing it. He thought that this whole issue would be too controversial, right, wrong, or indifferent. And ultimately, through a set of serendipity, and I think because Howard personally wanted to have this conversation, um, it was set up the the way it was through the uh, Sage and. Uh, you know, what's called a J Live, and don't ask me to explain all these acronyms of the Jewish community. Um, you probably can do a better job. So that's how it came about. And our goal was to make this issue visible. And that's what we're trying to do. Okay. So now um, the Berman Center, I think a capacity holds, I think, 600 people. You can correct me if I'm wrong. So. So as of yesterday, there were 300 people signed up for this. Okay, so the, they have a way of cutting it in half so it looks like it's full at the 300 point? Uh, this I would expect there'll be over 400 people there because this is happening on Thursday. 300 were yesterday. Lots of people don't sign up till the last minute or just show up. Yeah, so you'll, you'll, probably get, you'll probably get 600 people. I'm, I'm assuming the place will be filled. Um and if that and, and uh, hey, if that happens, that's great. <laughs> okay, know? so now it's now next. It's Thursday, the twenty third of March. It's ten thirty p.m. There are there are six hundred people who are now home. You just ran a successful event. In your mind now, what's happening with those six hundred people? Well, I think if they are more aware of what's going on than their perceived perspective, then it's been successful. Um, how people will react going down the road, I don't know. But if people are educated and more knowledgeable, then depending on the situation, they will, you know, look at it differently. So, for example, you know, if the door opens and you're not prepared, you can't go walking through. But if you're prepared, then you can go through the door and do something. And so by having more knowledge, then people are in a better position to judge the situation and, and deal with it. And so that's my, my view of it. Whereas today, the polarization of the Jewish community is, hey, we just got to worry about the, the, the Nazis and the, and the white supremacists maybe now we'll sit there and take a more broader look at where the sources of anti-Semitism are coming from. Okay, that's great. That's going to do it for us. Our guest today was Eugene Greenstein, organizer, or one of the organizers 
of the event and enlightening people of woke anti-Semitism, which will be this coming Thursday, March the 23rd at 7 o'clock at the Berman Center of the Jewish Community Center in West Bloomfield. Tickets are available, I am assuming, at the Berman website. And uh, we wish you uh, continued success and uh, in your endeavors and keep us apprised of what's going on in the future. Thank you very much, Rabbi. I appreciate the time. Okay. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's a symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Thurman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. Anti-Semitism has been one of those topics that we've covered in every different angle and facet that could possibly be covered. So this was, I suppose, a new a new angle on the subject. But you know, um, it's not news. And uh, you know, if you like to hear Howard Lupovich and this uh, rabbi with whom they were going to be discussing, not debating are actually both brilliant scholars, so it might be uh, entertaining. That's what I'm looking for, the entertainment value of of, uh, maybe picking up a few points from either one of these two gentlemen. And uh, we'll see. Um, Passover is coming up, and it is customary for a person to get rid of all of their chametz, which means all of their stuff, which is made out of wheat except for matzah, Wheat and wheat and other similar type of glutinous grains. Everybody's familiar with gluten now because we have gluten free. So if it's not gluten free, you have to get rid of it on Passover. One of the ways to do it is to sell it. And there's a whole procedure which was organized by the rabbis some 2,000 years ago about how to sell it. And yours truly will be making arrangements for such sales. So if you'd like to sell your chametz, contact me at you at rabbifinman.com. And we can sign you right up for the sale of Hummets. Up next, for your listening pleasure, this is a really cool song. This is Shia Burko. It's Mari Rabach, which is a line taken. The whole line is Mari Rabach to Mari Shemayim. That the honor that you pay your teacher should be the like the honor that you pay God. Uh, it's a line taken from the ethics of our fathers. And it just shows that, you know, we have to have respect for people that are smarter than us. Let's listen.
We all know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Schultzman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have up next, this is a really cool group, okay? It's not a Jewish group. They don't play exclusively Jewish music. They play really world music. I went on YouTube and checked them out. Someone said, you got to play this song. This is like the greatest song. Wow. So I played the song. I like the song very much. And then I checked out what else this group is doing. I said, well, maybe they do other stuff. It's, and they do other stuff. There's like a full spectrum of world music. This is the, organiz- the group is called the West Philadelphia Orchestra. It's an amazing group. And this song is called Of Purim, What Happens on Purim. So we're still in Adar, a little bit for the part of this week. So let's listen. Wir trinken Schnaps ganz Nacht. Am Mensch trachten hat sie lacht. Auf den Kopf heißt die Kinder fliegen. Bis er euch stehen mit Kompetenz. Wir trinken Bronfen in die Decke. Suchen den Verabfragen. Mit Kompanie 
Philadelphia Orchestra of Purim. It's, uh, you live Purim, Purim a whole year. That's fine. Uh, okay, up next, this is Nisano Cohen, Happy Days. We got to remember, you still have to be happy because Passover's coming up.
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurance is accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman, here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. The holiday of Passover will be commencing on the eve, in the evening of April the 5th. Uh, The first day is the 6th, but in Judaism we start at sundown the night before. And we'll be going on till the following Thursday night, which I believe is the 13th, if I'm not mistaken. Thursday night is when it ends at dusk, when it's dark. Passover seems to be like one of those focal points in the uh, in the Jewish holiday. You have Jews that really aren't involved with Judaism, and it's like degrees. So like there's a Jew who goes to synagogue once a year, it's Yom Kippur. If he goes twice a year, it's the first day of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And then you have like the next level up is is the first day, Yom Kippur, the first day of Yom Kippur, and goes to at least one Seder. Um, I've often joked that the reason why there are two Seders, these Passover uh, meals and discussions outside of Israel, is because the first night you go to his place and the second night you go to her place, you know, her parents' house. Or vice versa, the first night you go to her parents' house, the second night you go to his parents' house. So something to that effect. So people have one or two seders. And it's actually become customary now. I've seen it's actually, it's not customary, but it's it's taken on in the Jewish community in Detroit that the first night people go to family, the second night they go to some sort of community event, which when I first came to Detroit in 1988 did not exist. I remember I proposed the idea for the people with whom I was working and said, why don't we do a community Seder? And I said, that's a great idea. Do some market research, see who would be interested. And they gave me a list of 100 people. And out of 100 people, I called like maybe 50, 60. Nobody was interested. So they said, nope, we're not doing it. But then suddenly, 20 years later, it's like, you're doing community Seder. Are people going to come? Yeah, people are going to come. And Jewish Frenda, we have a community Seder. You have to go to the website and sign up. And uh, it's a, it's a very close because we only have so much space, uh, but it's it's become a thing. So, what is the seder that we have? This Passover seder. I tell people that it's not a prayer. The Haggadah, which is the book which is used as a, an outline, and that's all it is. Is it's an outline for the discussion for the night is to spur on discussion. And right at the beginning of the book, it says, the more you discuss, the more praiseworthy you are. And it talks about a discussion that was held some 2,000 years ago or so among some rabbis that lived in Israel. 
that they they were sitting and discussing until it got light outside. They were up a whole night. And there has actually been parodies of of uh, people who take pride on how long there's my Seder went till 2 o'clock in the morning and mine went till 3 o'clock in the morning and mine went till 5 o'clock in the morning. This is my, my Seder lasted until Shavuos, which is seven weeks later. You know, that, that was the, uh, the joke. So... Um, you can do it as much as or as little as you want. That's, but it says the more you talk about it, the, the better. Because what are we trying to do? What is the focus of Passover? And why are we eating crackers? What's wrong with bread? 51 weeks a year we eat bread. And one week we're told if you eat bread, you're cut off from the Jewish people. This is serious. This is a serious thing eating bread on Passover. This is not like, oh, I just ate bread. I, I had a bagel, you know, so it's like, uh, you know. No, it's very serious. The whole point, it's an exercise, just like everything else in Judaism. It's an exercise. It's a way of reattaching, of recommitting. Every holiday that we have is a commemorative, but it, we're not just, oh, they tried to kill us and we won, let's eat. That's not... That's not what is going on with all of the holidays. The purpose of every holiday is providing a medium where people can reattach themselves, recommit themselves to the same type of ideal for which this holiday is being commemorated. What happened at Passover? So at Passover, there was the name of the holiday Passover is because the angel of death passed over the Jews' house. And if you want to know what my opinion of what happened over there, so I would say go look through the archives of the Jewish Hour, pull up the Passover show, and there I will talk about the idea of what Passover is all about and angels of death, etc. It's a good story. What we're trying to do is the same thing that they try to do. It says in the Haggadah, that in the merit of two commandments did the Jews leave Egypt. They did a Paschal lamb and they circumcised themselves. They performed the bris. And it's asked, well, why? What's the, that's what they merited to get out? It wasn't, wait, let's go back. <laughs> go back a couple hundred years before that. Abraham was told, your children are going to be in Egypt and they're going to get their, their uh, <laughs> carcasses uh, worked to the bone. And after that, they're going to go out and they're going to get the Torah. And then they're going to go to Israel, and everybody's going to live happy ever after. And Abraham said, fine, I can do that. So it was the, the 210 years that they spent working wasn't enough of a merit. That was what they were there for, was to work themselves out so that they could be go get the Torah. He said, no. The um, word mitzvah means a connection. So what those two mitzvahs did is they provided a handle by which the Almighty, you might say, quote, so to speak, could grab onto the Jewish people, that the Jewish people wanted to grab onto God. And in doing so, so the Almighty performed what was, now has been, like we say, the third greatest miracle that ever was wrought, where uh, 600,000 families, with all their possessions, were whisked out of Egypt, a distance of 120 kilometers in the blink of an eye. That's a pretty cool, cool deal. Okay, only to be exceeded by the splitting of the sea and the giving of the Torah. 
And it says that the people had the Seder so that they could appreciate what was happening to them. And so also we too. The first night of Passover is called Leil Shimurim, the night of watching. The Almighty protects the Jewish people on the first night of, of Passover, it says. Because the relationship that we have, the first night of Passover, is exactly the same like the first night of Passover 3,300 years ago. We, by sitting down to the Seder and discussing those events, are instilling within us, ourselves, this want and desire to reestablish our connection to God. We mentioned before the idea of getting rid of one's chametz, one's leavening, glutinous products. That's things like bread, cereal, pasta, etc., granola bars, etc., etc., just for the week. And let's say you've got like a real nice bottle of bourbon, for example, which is chametz, which is made out of grain. And you don't want to sit there and just like down it. Just one of the ways you can get rid of things is consuming them. But this is a top-shelf bottle, and you're not really interested in just knocking it off. So we say that there's a possibility you could put it away. You can't see it. Put it away in some kind of a cupboard container, et cetera, that you're not going to go touch it. And then authorize a rabbi to sell it to somebody who's not Jewish. And then it's not yours. Is it a loophole? Yeah, it's a loophole. Okay, It's a loophole that somebody came up with. 2,000 years ago, because 2,000 years ago, the Jews didn't want to get rid of all their stuff also. But in the Finman house, for example, we didn't have cereal left over. It was like, Passover, Passover is coming. Let's consume all the boxes of cereal, which, you know, Bar Hashem, the number of kids I have, it wasn't really too hard to consume that many boxes of cereal. So if you would like to authorize me to uh, sell your hummets, well, contact me at rabbifinman.com. I uh, send out a missive every week called the Eparsha, and that will be sent out, I think on Thursday, I will send out the form, and you can contact your local Orthodox rabbi. Everybody does it. It's one of those things rabbis do universally around the globe, is to get rid of your hummets because... It acts as, what's wrong with bread? It acts as an interference with our connection to Hashem during that time. That one week, God says, we want you to control yourself. Don't eat cake. And if you're going to eat cake, so it'll be a gluten-free cake, or it'll be a cake that's made without any type of leavening. Matzah meal is one thing. You can ask me about that, and not in this forum. So you can go to RabbiFinman.com and you can drop me a line. What else is at RabbiFinman.com? Well, there's, like I say, archived editions of the ePartial. You can sign up for it so it's delivered to your house, usually on uh, Sunday or Monday, to right to your inbox. Archived editions of the ePartial, classes, things that we've had that have been going ongoing for, for decades now. And also the very important donation page. It is, we're coming up to uh, the end of March. Baruch Hashem, February was paid. And I believe February, I don't remember. I think February was paid at like the end of February. March, we still got something to go. And I hope that March is paid off before 
the uh, beginning of April, which would be next week's show already would be April. So you can do it. You hear all these uh, public broadcast media now having all their spring fun drives. And uh, we have to do it every week. Unfortunately, we have to spend the time. So if we can get like enough to cover April by the end of the week, then I don't make this appeal. And you get to hear a longer story. It's simple as that. So go to RabbiFinman.com. You can make it a monthly donation. You could uh, make it uh, if you want to. If you want to zell it to me, that's, if that's easier for you, then contact me. I'll give you the zell contact. It's not on my website yet, because my bank doesn't allow that type of com- transaction through the website. But they told me it will sometime before June. So okay, good. So, uh, but right now, if you want to zell it to me, so then you can zell it to uh, to our organization on the side. But otherwise, it's through PayPal. It's all very safe and secure. You can make it a monthly donation, so you don't have to think about it. So if that works better for you, if you'd like to do 5 or 10 or $25 a month and do it monthly instead of like a 250 or $500 donation, it works. Everything's good. If you'd rather just couldn't be bothered with that and the bookkeeping that's involved with that and just want to do a $500 donation, it also works. Whatever. We're free and easy. In fact, we're so free and easy that if you're old school, which I'm going to call it old school at this point because people aren't even writing checks for the most part anymore, you could drop your donation into a some sort of a mailing device and affix the proper postage and send it off to The Jewish Hour, 1725 Pinecrest Drive, Ferndale, Michigan, 48237. This story, what's up to this story? It's not a Passover story. Could be. I could have put Passover in it, but it doesn't have to be. There was a certain man whose name was Chaim. Is Chaim. He's still alive. This is a, this is a uh, fairly new story. I'm not exactly sure how long ago it happened, but it happened within the last decade. So Chaim lived in Persaic, New Jersey. And he lived together with his wife, and they had an apartment in Passaic. They did not have any children. And uh, Chaim's wife died many years ago. And as a companion dog, a support thing, so Chaim got himself a German Shepherd, okay, which <laughs> I'm thinking if you want a little support dog, why not get like a little Shih Tzu or Pomeranian? A German Shepherd may have weighed as much as he did. It's a, these things are, you know, these are animals. But he got very close. German Shepherds are very possessive. I don't know if you've ever had... I've had friends when I was growing up who had German Shepherds. You did not go near your your friend when the German Shepherd was around. The German Shepherd would take over. Okay? And uh, so he had this German Shepherd. So as he got older and he's by himself, so he decided that he's going to move down to Florida. And uh, he, he ended the lease. He's moving out. And he signed a, he signed a new lease on a, I think he bought a condo down in Florida, and uh, lo and behold, he didn't read the fine print. It said no pet. It said no pets, even support animals. Okay, so he called up the the manager of the place and said, "Listen, he's got this dog. He can't get rid of the dog. His dog is his whole life." So the uh, person said, "Nope, can't have him." So he said, I want to speak to the president of the of the condos. I spoke to the president. Nope, can't have it. Went back to the manager, back and forth. Da, da, da. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He's got to leave his apartment. He can't go move to a new place. Finally, the manager said, listen, the only way you're going to get it is if you talk to the owner. So he went to the owner, 
the owner's name is mentioned in the story, but I don't remember it. And the owner lived in Florida. He was 94 years old. He was a Holocaust survivor, a very religious man. And uh, religious Jews really have no patience for dogs. They don't like dogs. There are some, many of them are afraid of dogs. It's just one of those phenomena. So he asked his rabbi in Passaic, because he's now down in Florida, could he talk to this man? And it just so happened, he called it this guy, owns this whole community, this complex. He's like one of, you know, loans a bunch of these, these complexes. Turns out he's going to a wedding in Borough Park, this old, this, uh, old complex owner. So he made it, the rabbi made an appointment. Went traveled from Passaic to the Borough Park section of Brooklyn. Not it's not a long drive; it's a half hour drive, forty five minutes. And was invited in. He sat him down. He offered him a cup of tea, and the the rabbi started to explain that he has this guy who's a congregant of his, and he has his, his wife died. He don't have any kids. And the only thing he has in his life is a German shepherd, and he wants to go move to your one of your 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 condos or things. But it says that there, there's no plants. Could he please make an exception? So the man said to him, "I have been waiting seventy eight years for you to come." So what are you talking about? He's not even 78 years old. He said, I was a survivor of Auschwitz. And when the end of the war in 1945, the Russians were were marching through. The Germans emptied out the camp. And they put everybody on what was called, referred to as the death march. He said, there were many people that tried to hide. The Germans not stupid, so they went around with dogs to find people, and the dogs found many people. He said he hid like in a bunker or something that was there, a cellar. And uh, the whole time that he was down there, he was praying, don't let me get caught, don't let me get caught. He said he could hear the German shepherd breathing. That's how close the dog was. And he recited the verse, And when the Jews left Egypt, oh, here's our Passover connection. When the Jews left Egypt, no dog barked. So he kept on saying this over and over. The dog walked away. So he made a promise right then that one day he's going to pay back a German shepherd. And he said, 78 years I'm waiting to pay back the German shepherd. And now I have. He said, let's say Lachaim. That's going to do it for us. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope you have a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have a great week. We'll see you back again next week. Take care. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.